Everybody lift that cup up before the Lord. And would you ask God to fill my cup, Lord, and let it overflow. It's important to me that you know before I preach to you, uh, everybody listen, once you hear this, I love you. <laughs> I love you. You're important to me. And if you haven't heard that at all today, you just did. Amen. God bless you. Turn with me to the book of uh, James chapter number four. And so Pastor E has been preaching so eloquently, I might add. He finished up uh, James chapter three last week. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that sermon, you need to go back and check that out. Uh, he's killing it in this series. God has highly anointed him. We, we had Elder James Wearcom uh, just before the 4th of July and preached to this subject as well. And James, or uh, as Pastor has called him, Uncle James, um, is, is just dropping nuggets everywhere, right? Like it's, he's, he, he, he's leading the league in assists. Like he's just dropping dimes everywhere. And, 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 and if, you know, if you, if you can't score and James is running your point, like you, 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 you're struggling. Uh, uh, so he's given us nuggets to live by, right? He's blessing us. And today is uh, no exception. And there's this concept, though, that all of this has to be to some end. Why is James giving us all of this, these nuggets? And so at the end of the day, though, uh, hopefully, church, we're better, right? Hopefully, we're not just hearers of the word. Am I preaching to somebody? But in fact, we are doers. And if we do the things that we're hearing, you cannot help but to be better. Your land is going to increase. You're going to be enlarged. You're going to be increased because this wisdom comes from God. And James, uh, he gives it to James, and James gives it to us or to this uh, group of Jewish Christians, but, but to us also. So, so one of the ways, though, church, that we are supposed to be better uh, is in community. So there's a community focus to what we're talking about today, uh, that when we come together is so that we might reach our potential, right? There is a potential, and we'll talk about that later. So let's go to the Word of God, James chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 1 in the New International Version. Uh, it says this. So what causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you church kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not, don't, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell within us? But he gives us more grace. We're going to talk about that. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. We're going to talk about that. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. 
When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy, but you, uh, but you who are, well, who are you to judge your neighbor? Church, come with me back to 2001, actually September the 4th, 2001, one week before 9-11, in fact. My main man, uh, Usher Raymond, we just call him Usher, dropped this crazy solo hit. It was one of his breakout hits. And, and on September 4th, Jermaine Dupri produced it. Usher just came out and told the world, hey, you got it, and you got it bad. He goes something like this. When you feel in your body, you found somebody who makes you change your ways, like hanging with your crew. You don't hang with your boys no more. Said you act like you're ready, but you don't even know everything in your past. Now you want to let it go. And then he gives an eyewitness. He says, I've been there. I've done that. I hung around. And after all, this is what I found because nobody wants to be alone. And then he asks you, he says, but if you too are touched by the words of this song, then maybe you like me and everybody else that experiences this, you got it. And you got it bad. Here's how you know. When you're on the phone, you hang up and you help me, church. You call right back. You got it. You got it bad. Because if you miss a day without your friend, your whole life's off track. You know you got it bad when you're stuck in the house and you don't want to have fun. And all you can think about is this other person. You got it. And you got it bad. Now, if you're married, I still hope you got it and you got it bad. <laughs> Do me a favor, somebody. Look at somebody and say, you got it. And you got it bad. <laughs> so, for sure, what Usher's talking about is this love of a person that has so captivated him, church, that he can't function the way he used to or the way he ought to. Usher's smitten. He's captivated by another person in his life. And now this person and being with this person, their presence has become his priority. Church, he is infiltrated. Usher's inundated. He's captivated. Anybody ever been in love and you felt this? And finally, he's saturated. At this point, y'all, this thing is so powerful inside of him, it's out of his hands. It's over his head. It has him. And he's drowning in it. He's in too deep. Something else is driving. And suddenly, he, in his own life, finds himself just along for the ride. Anybody ever had something take the wheel in your life? And before you know it, you're in the passenger seat in your own life. He's got it. Y'all, he got it bad. Let's make a deal. Whenever I say he got it, y'all say, and he got it bad. Let's try it. You got it. You got it bad. So in James chapter 4, though, James was writing to a group of Jewish Christians. And James kind of identifies the same kind of scenario that Usher identifies. He writes to them and says, y'all are not exhibiting godly behavior. Y'all are off of y'all's game. Something has infiltrated the community. 
and y'all not getting along. You're not reaching your potential. You have a great potential. Much could happen when you come together. But this thing that has infiltrated and it has caused you to be, here's a word that we love in, in, in Common Ground and staff, you're distracted and disrupted. That's a word we kick around a lot in the staff meetings. What James is saying to this group of Christians, y'all, and to us today is y'all got it. And y'all got it bad. Y'all messed up, man. <laughs> this, this ain't what God intended. There's something else. Marcus, my main man, you're going to help me here, bro. Everybody give it up for Marcus. He's going he's gonna to help me up in here. So, so kind of backed by popular demand, Pastor E started this. We're going to flip it around, Marcus. Appreciate you, bro. You're so good at that. Thank you, bro. <laughs> Babe, we're going to have to drop Marcus something at the church. So, so who's James talking to? So backed by popular demand is this person that Pastor E, again, if you didn't, you didn't see Pastor E's sermon last week, you got to go back. It's, more, it's, it's tremendous. So Pastor E last, last week kind of gave us this dichotomy of the wisdom of heaven and the wisdom of earth or the influence of heaven and earth. And so, but, but he, didn't, he didn't give this person a particular sex last week, and he didn't give them a name. And in my preparation, I figured out who this was. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you all who this is, right? Uh, uh, I figured out their name. Y'all ready for it? Y'all want to know who this is? I figured out that this is you. And I figured out that this person's name is whatever your name is. And this is who James is talking to. So if this is you, then what's this person's name? Somebody shout it out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So they. So for these purposes, it's going to be Ken. Not blue eyes, though, but this, I'm going to work with it. I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm work with this, though. I promise you I am. Yeah, I ain't got no brown marker, though, so we cool. Uh, so, so what James starts off and says that to take Pastor Eric's very eloquent sermon and, and layout to the next level, James in chapter 4 actually says that this is a war. That this is a bar. It's a tug of war. It's a battle. And you are in a battle and you're in a tug of war. And so, and so Jane says that anytime we engage you, because this really is sermons about community, and I'm sorry if some of you can't can see it, but but at any given time, one of these sides is winning or losing the war. Right. And James says that who you are in community is based on what side of this dichotomy is winning the war that's inside of you. Right. So so James says, like. Um, he simply says. I know what you think about yourself. But your wife knows the person that's winning the war. 
I know what you think about yourself, but your husband sleeps with the person that's winning or losing this war, y'all. So here's the deal. You're no better in community. You're no better in relationship. You're no better to the church. You're no better uh, in all the areas where you carry out roles. What your children know about you is whether or not you're winning this war. So here's what's true about this person, right? And James understands this. James describes this as a battle, winning or losing, good and evil, flesh or spirit. But you and I have to come to the conclusion because we can't get better, right? We got it, and, and we can't get better until we know where we are here, right? God knows exactly where we are. Everybody that encounters us encounters the person that is either winning or losing this war, right? Now, here's what's true in life. There are ways for us, and we do it all the time, to mask this person, to try not to let anybody see where we are with respect to winning or losing the war. So what we do is we go to the mall and we dress this person up. Y'all help me with this. We get Prada, Gucci, Gloria Vanderbilt, I'm going to get to you in a second. And Klein, Calvin Klein. We put Armani on this person. Sean John, Burberry. Anybody help me with one? That, I mean, I get you. Somebody shout one out. What is that? Timber. Oh, we get some Tims, right? We get some Tims. We get some Balenciagas, right? I don't know why anybody would pay $1,000 for those. But we get some Balenciagas. Alexander Wayne, Celine Chloe, Christian Dior, Dolce Gabbana, because we don't want you to know that we lose So we dress this person out. We get Mercedes, Bentley, Jaguar, BMW, that G-Wagon, that Aston Martin, that vet. Hey, 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 I know it. This money in the bank, this influence and this affluence. But when you get through dressing this person up, the truth is, they're no better than where they are in this war. James understands us. Some of ourselves, some of us see ourselves as more than this, but that does not settle the battle within. The battle determines where we are. You can't buy your way out of the battle, though many of us try. What we do, so here's the deal. The human psyche, right, because if you're losing it's painful. We weren't meant to lose this. God invested his spirit, so we wouldn't. The healthy human psyche, though, is conditioned to move toward equilibrium. I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good about who I am, right? So if I'm losing, I got to make the adjustment. It's just that many times in making the adjustment, I don't go to God to make the adjustment. I go to the mall. I go to somewhere else to make me feel good about who I am. So what James understands here is that y'all trying to use, uh, y'all trying to conquer through consumption. He says, you're, just, you're looking for all these things. You're going after all these things. You're trying to get all these things. And so James says, y'all got it. And y'all got it bad. So he writes in verse number one. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Y'all are the people of God. How come y'all can't get along? 
Why is your home upside down? Why is your marriage wrong? Why come you keep running through friends? How come it's always somebody else and you never look at you? You got it and you got it back. Why is there always chaos surrounding you? Pastor, what does it mean to fight? It means to take part in a violent struggle involving the exchange of physical blows or the use of weapons or language. What's a quarrel? A heated argument or disagreement, typically about a watch this church trivial issue and between people who are usually on good terms. It ain't that deep. But because we're off and we're losing, we have a tendency to make a molehill become a mountain. Because you got it. And you got it bad. So then James decides to figure out why are you losing? What's going on in your life? Why are you more prone to operate in envy, ambition, boasting, covetousness, all these ills, all of these evils. And so he does for a few minutes this research to find out why you're losing. Because you can be no better in marriage. You can be no better in community. You can be no better in the church than where you are in the personal war that's happening inside of you. And he says, he emphasized community. He says, among you. Why are these fights among you? And whenever God brings people together, there are three things that are present. There is a purpose for which God has brought us together. Nobody gets here by accident. It is the providence of God that brings us into unity, that brings us into proximity. And then there is, whenever there's a purpose, there's something that we could do that would glorify God. It would bless other people, and it would fulfill us. And, and that purpose is God's job. That's God's responsibility to define among us what's the purpose for our being here. What's the purpose for us being together? Why do we call this place common ground in the first place? That's for God to decide. And whenever God speaks that to us, and whenever God decides that, then we have to understand that we have a potential. And that's our job, to realize the potential. And we have to go get it. It won't fall out of the sky, and then we have to come together and work toward that. All hands on deck and all minds clear, and that's our job. Then finally, what keeps us from recognizing that potential and doing the purpose is that Satan doesn't want it done, and so he brings problems. It is the individual challenges that we have that would keep us from coming together. That you and I, if we're not careful, will be the reason that this thing can't have unity. It can't have harmony. Because I'm not winning the war inside of me. And I'll sabotage it every time. It is the spirit of disruption. Y'all, we have to overcome that. You are no better in community than you are in this battle. You can't win this battle. If you can't win this battle, your family can't win. And if you can't win this battle, your church turn win. So James says, where does this chaos come from? This spirit of disruption, this spirit of disunity, this spirit of disharmony, this tendency in slang just to diss each other. He said it comes from, here's a word, your cravings. It is, I want something that brings me back to equilibrium. And even though I'm not being who I should be, I still want to feel good about myself. There's a craving on the inside. And so I go out to find those things that make me happy. I start fulfilling the cravings and the result of this non-godly lifestyle. 
the result of this flesh. I start fulfilling the lust of the flesh. So then I want things. And these things began, like Usher said, they began to drive me. They began to inundate me. And all of a sudden, this quest for things that will make me feel better become my priority. My first thing is I want things, whatever your thing is. It could be LSD. It could be drugs. It could be sex. Whatever your thing is that you think will help you, you go out in search of that thing. And before you and I know it, that thing will begin to drive. What's it mean to drive? To operate and control the direction and speed. That thing will begin to control your direction and your trajectory. So then James says, but if we consume things and they don't make us feel better and they don't heal us and they don't have the ability to heal us, he says, then we'll start consuming people. It leads us to the consumption of one another. We will fight one another. We will kill one another. And then other people will become casualties in our personal war. So what is this and where does it come from? And James says it comes from within you. So the answer to what's wrong among you can be found within you. The answer to what's going on among us can be found within us. And James says, it's your desires. And so, so, so then one is our cravings. And two, like, like for David, King David, it, when, you, when you give me these illicit cravings, these ungodly cravings, and then you add to that, James says in verse 3, this spirit to covet, this spirit to look over and see somebody else doing well. And so in, in, in my cravings, I want what makes me happy. But in my covetous, competitive spirit, I want what I think is making somebody else happy. So here it is. Here it is, church. I counsel to this. And this is somebody's drug of choice. So I went, one time I got a chance to counsel to a young man who had a vibrant, beautiful family. And there was a young lady outside of his family uh, uh, that he caught her eye or whatever. And so she pursued him. And after her relentless pursuit, he gave in. And he left his family, he left his children, and he went and established another house with her and, and, and divorced with the thing that God, the holy thing, the right thing, only to end up in my office uh, months later because just like she uh, got him to leave his family, she left him. And, and what he found out was her drug of choice wasn't handsome, wasn't stability, wasn't tall, wasn't muscular. Her drug of choice was forbidden. And as soon as she had conquered and coveted, she was done with him. So the, the spirit to covet, and the Bible says, James says, hey, when you take these cravings, when you take this ability that we all have to look at our neighbors and believe their grass is greener, y'all mean messed up. Because we got it at that point. And, and we got it back. He says, you could have, but you have to ask of God. Everything we need is in God. And when we ask God, he'll say no, or he'll say slow, or he'll say grow, or he'll, he'll say go, and I don't have time to go into that. But, but, but those are the answers that God will give us. And James says, man, you guys are adulterous. 
your condition is that y'all have been too influenced by the world. That y'all love the world. And my third C is y'all have compromised y'all's position. Y'all have compromised who God made y'all. You are a royal people, a chosen generation, royal priesthood. God, God made you special. God gave you his anointing. God invested in you. And you have compromised that. And you have relegated. You have given the pearls to the swine. And you have relegated. And then number four, number five, he says, but don't you know that this spirit that God put in you, that he jealously longs to see that come back to the surface? That God doesn't understand why you're losing because you have the most powerful force in the universe at your disposal. God has invested in you. God has put his spirit in you. There's no way you should be losing. You're living beneath your privilege. You're not using everything that's available to you. You have access. You have resources. Shake yourself. Get up. Go back to God. You should not be losing. Your family should not lose. Your church should not lose. Your relationships should not lose. The Bible says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Wherever God has put his spirit, it should not be in change. It should not be losing. It should not be underserved. It should be walking in victory. Because the spirit of the Lord has ensured our victory. So when James, I'm going to have to turn the corner now. When James gets us to this place, Pastor E, we're still losing. We're still struggling. Our families aren't thriving. Our church is less than it could be and should be. And yet God has invested his spirit. We are a mess. We are addicted. We do have it. Perhaps we're angry. Perhaps we're frustrated. Perhaps we're depressed. And it is, it, is, it is just like God to find us right there, church. I'm about to end, but I'm excited to tell you this part. We're as bad as we could be. We're living all of this. Anybody like me has woke up and found yourself the prototype for this. I've lived all of this, and I celebrate verse 6. Cut is right there that I think the most important word in all of chapter 14 is right there. And it's right there that James says, but. Do I have anybody here that can celebrate that but? Do I have anybody here that rejoices in that but? I'm wretched, but. I don't deserve it, but it is right there, church, that God puts a properly placed but. Does anybody look back over their life and know how messed up you were and you can see the place where God said, but? But I'm not done with you. Somebody help me praise God. But I do still love you. But I'm not giving up on you. But I'm not throwing you away. But there is no failure in God. And y'all, I was able in my life to take advantage of that but. He says, but God has more grace 
then you have sin. <laughs> but God, y'all, has more grace. I'm crazy, but God got more grace than I got crazy, y'all. I'm angry. I'm messed up. Whatever your sin is, whatever your addiction is, come on, Common Ground Northeast. I'm going to stay right here. Come on, let's praise God that he has more grace than the messed up stuff I was putting out there. I was at nine, but God's grace was at ten. He says, wait a minute. I'm going to bring you back. I have a formula for you to get back. You over here, your marriage is over here, your life is over here. Wait a minute. Your esteem is over here. Your self-value is over here. I'm going to pray for somebody right now uh, in just a few minutes that's losing the war. Right? Because if you're losing the war, you can't help nobody else lose, win the war. I want to pray for somebody in just a minute that's losing. Now, it does you no good to think you over here and you over here. You fool yourself. Like, like you can't buy enough clothes. Your house cannot be big enough to put you over here if you really over here. There's nothing you can do but admit that my marriage is over here. My psyche is over here. And then he gives us the formula. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil with this new anointing this new spirit that God has given you. All you have to do, you don't even have to do it. If you will just stand up here and just come near to God, the Bible says God will be over here and he'll come near to you. If you will just come near to God, God will come near to you. I love this inverted phrase model in verse 9. Usually when you're low and you're hurting, we want to lift you up. But James says, no, Pastor, I love this inverted. Uncle James is killing it here in nine. He says, come back to mourning. Come back to wailing. Because you've been laughing, but you didn't really have nothing to laugh about. You've had a joy, but that was a high that the world can give. That was Bud Light. That was LSD. That was a manufactured joy. Change that in. Give that back. That was an illicit sex joy. That was a crazy as you want to be joy. Give that back. I've got a real joy. So he calls them back to humility, back to brokenness, back to mourning. Then he says, God is going to touch us. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contrite spirit. The Bible said if you will bring God back, he will not turn you away. Don't bring God answers. <laughs> Don't bring God haughtiness. Don't bring God your wherewithal and your know-how. Humble yourself before the Lord because you got all of that and you still losing. And 
when we let God touch us, then he gives us this assignment to go out and don't slander our brothers and sisters and don't judge our brothers and sisters. And I wondered, why wouldn't he just lump that in with everything else that was bad about us in the text? It is because we need the touched, the renewed heart and the renewed mind before we can see one another correctly. I want to stop right here. I have so much more. But today I want to pray for somebody that knows they're losing that war. You're here today. It's not by accident. You're watching. It's not by accident. You're losing. Or, here's the term. I don't even know if I know how to pronounce it right. Somebody's winning, but is it a Pyrrhic victory? P-Y-R-R-H-I-C. It is a victory that is won at too great a cost to have been worthwhile for the victory. So if you win, and I hate to see who's losing, because some of us have a Pyrrhic victory that's going on. Yeah, my marriage and my home is still together, but pastor, you don't know the price I'm paying to keep that going. That's a Pyrrhic victory. I can't tell I'm winning because it's costing me too much. And I hear the spirit of the Lord today. So, man, you don't have to live that way. God invested his spirit so you could live on this side of the equation. This is where you're supposed to be. And you can't help nobody till you get here. We can't have that banquet table as a church. I don't care how much Pastor E preach. Somebody got to get on this side of the table. Y'all going to have a successful marriage. And one of y'all going to have to be winning. You're going to have good friendships. Somebody's going to have to be winning. Now, this is how I roll. If you're here today and you know the spirit of the Lord is talking to you and the word of God is for you, this is why you came. You came because you're losing. I know you got on Prada and red bottoms, but you're still losing. The word of the Lord is talking to you today. Would you just stand? I want to pray for you. Somebody's losing. Pastor, man, I'm losing. I'm losing. Or perhaps I'm winning, but it's costing me too much. If you stood this morning, it would just be an admission that I I don't want to think I'm winning. I just want to be winning. I just want to pray for you this morning. Maybe just raise your hand. I'm losing. There are times in my life when I've clearly been losing. I want to pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you that in my life you had a properly placed but. All the things that were going wrong, and even perhaps somebody gave up on themselves, but you did not give up on us. And now, God, I just believe now it's turning around. Would you just say that it's turning around? Come on, somebody say, it's turning around. This is the time for it to turn around. 
It's turning around in my heart. It's turning around. God, I, I, don't, I can't worry about all the things external. I just got to win on the inside. And now, God, I humble myself before you. Would you come on the inside and give me your healing? Give me your solution. Give me what you have for me. Because from this day forward, I want to win. Come on, somebody tell him that I want to win. Come on, tell him I want to win. Come on, Lord, I know you've called me to win. I want to win. I know that I have your spirit. I should be winning. Come on, tell him I want to win. From this day forward, in Jesus' name we pray. Come on and give God praise for his word this morning.